Welcome to another episode of Restored with your host, Jeremiah C. Riley. The C stands for courage, and I am a product of God's goodness and God's grace. The title of today's message is Heaven Sent Correction. Our focus verses will be Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. I came across an article that I found interesting from kidshealth.org. And it's about the way parents should discipline their children according to their ages and where they are in their level of understanding at the time. It says ages zero to two, babies and toddlers are naturally curious. So it's wise to eliminate temptations and no-nos. Items such as TVs and video equipment, stereos, jewelry, and especially cleaning supplies and medicine should be kept well out of reach. Ages three to five, as your child grows and begins to understand the connection between actions and consequences, make sure you start communicating the rules to your family's home. Ages six to eight, timeouts and consequences are effective strategies of discipline when children are at this age group. Ages nine to 12, Children can be disciplined with natural consequences as they mature and request more independence and responsibility, teaching them to deal with the consequences of their behavior. It's an effective and appropriate method of discipline at this age. Ages 13 and up, it says by now you've laid the groundwork as a parent. Your child knows what's expected and what you mean when you say whatever you say regarding boundaries and penalties for bad behavior. Don't let your guard down as a parent. Discipline is just as important for teens as it is for younger children. Now, I found this article interesting because it showed that at different ages and stages that determine what type of discipline should be administered to children. And before we even proceed further, let's take a moment to define discipline. Now, two widely accepted definitions are one, the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. And two, using punishment to correct disobedience. Now, the root word of discipline is disciple. I know we're familiar with that one, right? Jesus calls us to be disciples which comes from the Latin word disciplus, which means student, one who learns, one who studies. Referring to, to our opening, I want you to notice that the method of discipline changes to meet the child where they are. And I find this to be fascinating and comforting because our heavenly father is not careless regarding how he disciplines us but is eternally mindful of meeting us where we are to help nurture us to where we ought to be. I think we can all relate to rejecting correction and instruction and training and discipline because of how it usually makes us feel when we hear it. That's when we get into our feelings. That's when, if there are any walls of rejection inside of us or walls of defense that we haven't yet healed from, Inside of us, that's when they shoot up. When somebody comes and tells us that we did something wrong or when someone comes and tells us how we can improve in what we're doing. 
sometimes we have those few favorite people or selective people who can tell us anything and we receive it readily. But I got to tell you that sometimes heaven sent correction does not come from the people who we trust and from the people who we look up to. Sometimes they come from sources that we did not expect and it's packaged in ways that we don't find attractive. Nevertheless, heaven sends correction and discipline in many different ways because God loves us. Notice what the writer in Hebrews chapter 12 says, beginning at verse four. You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. Remember, we're constantly in a warfare against sin. He goes on to say, and you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement. Interesting. Now, now he's saying divine word of encouragement. So how does divinity encourage us? Check it out, which is addressed to you as children. My child, do not make light of the discipline, training, correction, instruction of the Lord and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. Isn't that encouraging? Because when we're when we're instructed and corrected, oftentimes there's a self-talk that takes over. Such as I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough or I knew I shouldn't have tried in the first place or I might as well give up. He's telling us, do not lose heart. Do not become discouraged. But he goes on to say, I'm going to continue reading because the Lord disciplines and corrects those who he loves and he punishes every child whom he receives and welcomes to his heart. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short time as seemed best to them. Now, let me add this. Our earthly fathers are short sighted, meaning as far as they can see, it's, it's, it's still short compared to the eternal perspective and vision that our heavenly father has. Nevertheless, lovingly. Earthly fathers discipline their children for their welfare, not just for how, how it will make them feel in the moment, but for what the overall outcome will be. How much more our heavenly father who sees things from an eternal perspective. And then it says here that our earthly fathers disciplines us or disciplined us as it seemed best to them. You have some stories and some experiences that have been shared where earthly fathers discipline their children or have disciplined them because the outcome was more of a benefit to the father than it was the child, which means the motives of, of the father were self-centered and selfish. But the author is letting us know that this is not how our heavenly father operates. Let me continue reading. It says, but he, speaking of our heavenly father, disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. 
<laughs> Our Heavenly Father is telling us, hey, look, I'm disciplining you. I'm instructing you. I'm correcting you so that you will benefit in sharing in my in my holiness. I want you to sit at my table and enjoy the feast that I've prepared for you. But you have to have the right mindset. You have to have the right character and character is only developed through experiences. And they say that human beings, we learn through repetition and blunt force trauma. Those are the two ways we learn the most. So God is constantly trying to instruct us in righteousness so that we can benefit through sharing in his holiness for our good. Continuing at verse 11, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, which is right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. While we're being corrected, family and friends, no, it doesn't feel good. If there are any walls that we have built up on the inside of us, we will reject that correction. We will treat that instruction as with with an, with, with suspicion because we do not trust that it is for our good. But once we learn to let those defenses down, once we learn to reason and to examine the instruction and correction that's being given to us beyond the barbed wire fences that we've created to keep ourselves safe. We began to experience the beauty, the joy, the life giving force of truth. Let's take a look at this three ways. We receive correction, instruction and discipline. And if you haven't noticed by now, I'm using correction, instruction, training and discipline all interchangeably because sometimes we look at discipline as only being punishment for doing something wrong. And 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 it, with that type of view, it's easy to reject it. But when we see when we see it as correction and instruction and training in righteousness, this is coming to me to help make me better, to help me mature, to help me grow beyond the limits that I've been living over these past 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years. I think that it would help us to be more receptive. So three ways we receive correction and discipline. Number one, conviction. The Holy Spirit speaks through our conscience and oftentimes informs us of the path that we should take. Afterwards, we sometimes say things like, wow, something told me to dot, 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 or I knew I should have dot, dot, dot. The fact is, family and friends, the divine spirit is constantly trying to steer us into the best path for, for, for us to take. But we have to learn to listen and recognize and trust his leading. So number one is conviction where inside of our conscience, we just know that we should do this instead of doing that. Number two, people like in the situation with King David and, the, and, and Nathan in second Samuel chapter 12, where Nathan came to David and said, David, he gave David a story. And after David listened to the story and said, wow, I think the man in that story should be punished 
Nathan then looked at him and said, David, you are that man. You see, people are great instruments and oftentimes the best instruments that heaven uses to deliver to us correction and instruction. One of the interesting things is this, though. Sometimes it's easy for us to take correction from someone who is superior to us, whether it's in status or in knowledge or in experience. But what about when it comes to us through a person who is not as accomplished as we are or a person who is not as knowledgeable as we are? They're just available at that time to deliver the message that's needed at that moment. We sometimes don't accept correction from people like that or people in those positions. But in this case, you had David the king accepting correction from Nathan, who in all respects was of less status than him, was less powerful than him. Yet because King David had a heart that yearned for truth, that yearned for righteousness, that yearned to be right with God, he was not distracted by his esteem as a king. He humbly embraced the truth despite the messenger or the packaging in which it was delivered to him. So I think that's very important for us to know that, hey, don't be surprised if a man who is is intoxicated and has alcohol on his breath is bringing you a message of truth, even though you can look at that man and say, well, look at you, you're a drunk or look at you. you." Listen, don't miss the opportunity to receive truth and enter into the holiness of God. Number three is experience and allowing us to have our own way. Someone said that experience gives us the lesson or test first, and then it gives us the teaching afterwards. But I think that our Heavenly Father prepares us as much as we're willing to be prepared before the experience, before the test. Nevertheless, Tasting the consequences and rewards of our own actions is another way in which we are disciplined. Sometimes father has to just leave us to the consequences of our actions and even to the rewards of our actions so that from tasting it, we would understand more clearly and more fully the value of walking in the path of holiness and righteousness. The writer in Hebrews 12 concludes, and now I'm at verses 12 and 13. So then strengthen your hands that are weak and the knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I remember the writer earlier says, that we are sometimes discouraged. So he lets us know this is the divine word of encouragement. And now we're closing with verses 12 and 13, where you can envision a person whose spirit is slumped over, who's who's discouraged. You can envision their hands just hanging down low, their knees trembling and weak. He's saying, strengthen those hands 
that are weak and the knees that tremble. This is encouragement. The fact that you're being corrected, the fact that you're being instructed and trained in righteousness should should lift up your soul, should give you energy and reason to press forward with joy, knowing that he who desires for you to spend eternity with him later and spend every waking moment with him now is on your side. He's letting us know this is reason for us to lift up our heads, to shout for joy and to press forward. Another writer says this from a book that I am personally a big fan of. It's a it's a book titled Education by a writer whose name was Ellen G. White. She says this about Jesus's relationship with his disciples when he walked this earth. Jesus reproved, again, corrected, instructed, disciplined, trained his disciples. He warned and cautioned them. But John and Peter and their brethren did not leave him. So they didn't just run because he corrected them. Let me continue reading. Notwithstanding the reproofs or the corrections or the discipline, they chose to be with Jesus and the Savior did not, because of their errors, withdraw from them. He takes people as they are with all their faults and weaknesses and trains them for his service if they will be disciplined and taught by him. So family, as long as we're willing to be disciplined, as long as we're willing to be trained in righteousness, it doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what our early life experiences have been. God is able and willing to transform us into what we ought to be. As long as we are willing to embrace his training. Now I stated earlier that we have inherited the nature that resists truth. And if in case I'm, I didn't express that, let me explain it now. We have inherited the nature that resists divine guidance, that resists righteousness, that resists holiness. It's not our fault. Romans 5 tells us that by one man's disobedience, many or all were made sinners. We were made sinners because of Adam's disobedience. The information and the propensity to sin that was inside of him was produced in his seed. And after Adam and Eve produced children after their likeness. Remember, they were made in God's image and likeness, but they produced after their own likeness. That information, that propensity to, to sin was passed on to their to their offspring, to their seed. And today you and I have been experiencing the weight of sin. Nevertheless, it also says in Romans five that by one man's righteousness, speaking of Jesus, the Christ, all are made righteous through accepting him. And let me close by adding this from second Peter one and four family. Although we have inherited the corrupt nature that resists truth. Through Christ, we have been gifted the divine nature that embraces and loves truth. Hallelujah. If we look at discipline and training 
with the eyes of faith, we would seek to value the truth and the beauty within the message and the method of correction that is that is given to us in the moment rather than being distracted by the messenger or the packaging of it, how they say it or the tone of voice they said it in. Listen, there are times where we have to eat the fruit, spit out the seed, eat the meat, separate the bone because we understand that our father disciplines those whom he loves so that we can be partakers of his holiness. Heavenly Father of all creation, I ask that you would give us teachable hearts. Give us teachable minds and humble spirits. Help us to understand today how you are reaching us and trying to lead us into the path of righteousness and holiness so that we won't miss the opportunity to grow and to share in your likeness and in your image and ultimately in your presence, not only in eternity later, but also in time right now. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been another episode of Restored because it is God's will and desire to restore you and me back into his image and into his likeness so that we can be light in the world that is in desperate need. Peace.